0: Welcome to Positively Speaking, a podcast that explores the experiences of people living with HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. I'm your host, Liz Creel. Positively Speaking is being produced by Casey House, Canada's first and only standalone hospital for people with HIV AIDS. The topic for this episode is HIV and housing. Specifically, how HIV impacts a person's access to housing. And how housing, or the lack of it, can affect the way a person manages their HIV. Access to affordable housing in Toronto is challenging, as it is in many parts of Canada. The waitlist for rent-cured-to-income housing can be years for a single person. Living with HIV adds another set of barriers and challenges, as many people rely on supportive housing for stable health. According to the City of Toronto, the average market rent for a one-bedroom apartment is twelve hundred and seventy dollars, and eleven hundred for a bachelor. But the average monthly income for a single person living on the Ontario Disability Support Program is just $1,100. Shika is an HIV-positive trans woman of colour, originally from Honduras. Now living in Toronto, she struggled to find an affordable and safe place to live.
1: Being a trans person and, 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 a, and a settler in this country, I have found myself kind of going from place to place trying to hold on to a job, trying to hold on to an apartment, trying to hold on to uh, friends. But the ha- housing has, has been an issue for me for the long since I got here because it's really not affordable for somebody who, it's, who has a hard time finding, finding work or living with HIV.
0: Many people living with HIV find themselves homeless due to multiple factors. The lack of supply of affordable housing, insufficient income, loss of employment income due to poor health, and in certain cases, their HIV status. In Toronto, the waiting list for rent-geared-to-income housing is 7 to 10 years, even longer for a single person. As mentioned already, market rent is unaffordable for people who live on the Ontario Disability Support Program. Ben is a 41-year-old gay man who was diagnosed with HIV at a young age. He remembers what it's like to be homeless and having to stay in shelters.
2: I was homeless first and then I did my application and waited exactly 11 years and got accepted for a co-op in downtown Toronto. I became homeless because I got sick with HIV and um, well AIDS because I had HIV and tuberculosis. So I got sick and I was hospitalized for seven weeks. So while I was sick I ended up losing my job and I couldn't go back to school for sign language and uh, I wasn't able to pay rent at that time, so I ended up staying in, a, in the shelter system for the first time. I was 26 years old, which was unfortunate because a lot of the youth shelters was 25 and under. I uh, managed to sneak into a youth shelter for a while north of the city, but um, decided to move back to Toronto to access services, and that's where I found myself homeless and just kind of bouncing from shelter to shelter. And that's where I found two organizations, Fred Victor Center and Fife House Foundation, who helped me apply for the Housing Connections wait list for the first time, and it was very confusing not having an address and applying for housing. They asked for an address, and I used, um, I used one of the housing agency's address as my own to receive mail also.
0: As Ben explained, there are numerous barriers to applying for rent year to income. You have to be organized. Have a bank account, government-issued ID, and a birth certificate. For people who are homeless, another barrier is not having a fixed address, a requirement from Housing Connections, the Centralized Housing Registry. And even if you have an address, you have to have physical energy to get out there and look for housing. For those lucky enough to live in rank year-to-income housing, it's still a struggle to get by financially. Just ask Kevin. He's a long-term survivor who had stable housing until he split up with his partner.
3: So financially, it's been, even with rank geared to income I still have to have an outside income that I have to report to ODSP every month. And after, I believe it's a couple hundred dollars, they start taking 50% of your paycheck. So I can work only so many hours before it's not worth my while to keep working, which I, I've i asked about, you know, why don't they change the system? At least let us get to poverty level before they start taking off
2: 50%.
0: And sometimes the only affordable housing options available can do more harm than good.
2: First, I... Um, I went into a rooming house. I think that lasted a month because it was so chaotic. Um, I had no idea what I was moving into. It was the middle of winter, and I just wanted a place of my own where I could shut the door and lock it. Um, It ended up being very detrimental to my health, so I didn't stay very long. I actually would rather be in a shelter situation than a place where I felt completely unsafe,
0: Managing money while dealing with physical and mental health issues, as well as substance use, can be next to impossible without support. Derek left home as a young teenager and was homeless for years. He finally found stable housing after he was given the opportunity to live in supportive housing for people with HIV. He describes his experience of substance use, discrimination, and losing control of his money.
4: But then addiction sets in, HIV sets in, denial sets in, you know. Back then, you were afraid to mention it at work that you were HIV positive. At one point in my life, I had um, assigned pg and Public Guardian and Trustee, in which you, your check goes into them and they give you your money, and then you get your $50 and you go into transitional and you give it to Five House. <laughs> so in other words, you weren't allowed to control your own money. And if you had extra money, you'd end up getting a uh, grocery card <laughs> with your extra money. And I had that for about 15 years. And it taught me a lot. At first, there was a lot of anger hatred towards it. It's my money, I should be able to spend it when and on, on what I want. But um, there's no and if or, or bust about it because this was appointed by a psychiatrist.
0: Fife House is the only housing provider in North America that provides transitional, supportive, and permanent housing specifically for people who are living with HIV. Derek describes how through their support, he was able to thrive and keep his apartment.
4: I needed what five of us, uh later on provided? Case management, a little somebody to talk to, to understand, and to help me, to guide me and teach me how to keep an apartment. By keeping the apartment, I mean knowing who's invite, keeping it clean. Supportive housing for many people living with HIV is
0: a necessity. It's key for people who need assistance accessing and navigating supports and
1: services. Having proper housing is everything because if you don't have proper housing and by that I mean affordable and according to your needs somewhere that you, that you can have some support is everything because if, if you don't have that you won't be able to excel on anything else because you'll be just trying to survive.
0: Access and affordability aren't the only housing issues faced by people living with HIV. As we talked about in the last episode, they also face the pervasive burden of stigma. The stigma of HIV itself, the stigma of being poor, and the stigma that goes with mental health and substance use. Just a note about stigma and discrimination. They're not the same thing. Stigma is a negative stereotype. Discrimination is unfair treatment due to a person's identity. It's the behaviour that results from this negative stereotype. Under the Ontario Human Rights Code, every person has a right to equal treatment with respect to, among other things, their disability and sexual orientation. Matthew is a young gay man, originally from Ottawa, who's come face to face with this stigma.
5: Becoming homeless and seeing um, a lot of judgment towards people that are homeless, a lot of judgment towards people who have mental health and addiction issues, and because Back then, when I became homeless, um, I never thought of being on the opposite end of the spectrum, looking at someone who's homeless, sometimes you have compassion, other times you judge them because of their mental health or different things. But when you actually live in the moment of being that person, it's quite challenging and it's quite, um, it's sad to see how people think and process things. it's almost as if um, at one point, uh, like a similar experience that I had was being treated as a second class person. Um, literally, like I walked into a bus terminal and was told to get out because they thought I was homeless.
0: People living with HIV and looking for housing carry an extra burden. If a landlord finds out their status, they could lose their housing. Sheikha and Matthew describe the struggles and blatant discrimination they've experienced in this regard
1: the the social stigma with people of different races age background it's 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 very pronounced um we've done some work there's been you know we're now trans people and are in the human rights act and and um the laws on hiv have slightly changed due to the u equals u campaign but the stigma in people is still out there it's really it's really heavy um so being able to like not have a home or not affordable housing when you have all these barriers or it's it's it can be it can be very detrimental
5: It was probably going to drop down for the first time to about i think it was about minus ten outside and it was december beginning of december i Spent the night on, on the bench at the 519. I had my ex-fiance walk by and put $5 in front of me because he didn't trust me enough to be on his couch, which was the most harshest thing I ever ever had to encounter. This is my ex-fiance. So <laughs> it was hard because here I was, struggling with my addiction, not knowing what to do, and I, I was... At this point, I was missing doctor's appointments. I was really struggling.
0: Due to the lack of affordable housing, many people are forced to live with roommates. Some by choice, some not. Some people pool their resources and share a market apartment with friends. Some living rooming houses, shelters. Some couch surf, and some share accommodations. But living with others when it's not by choice but by necessity can be stressful. This was definitely the case for Sheikah. She's lived in transitional housing, a program that helps people transition from homelessness to permanent housing.
1: It was, it was a struggle, I'm not going to lie. It was a struggle to be in a transitional housing program, living with 12 other people from different backgrounds and uh, different values. But it definitely gave me the lesson that I had been waiting for all my life, being able to actually see how... Everyone is vulnerable, because the stories are from people that were very successful at some point, and it's not really the the HIV or 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 the uh, that got them that got that got us there. It was stigma, and it was it was all that the systematic stigma that really goes after people's souls, you know, to just really push them down and keep them down there.
0: It's well known that the level of violence, safety, and social cohesiveness in a neighborhood can influence health and well-being. It can increase stress and can limit movement and social interaction, which prevents people from engaging in healthy practices like walking, cycling, or even accessing essential health services. Many people who are living with HIV also need to deal with concerns about poor housing conditions. In Toronto, there's a huge backlog of needed repairs for many buildings. This is an additional stress that Kevin is well aware of.
3: It was a mess when I first moved in. They did the balconies, which was about six to eight months of just jackhammering every morning, and noon and night, uh, it felt like. Uh, It was very stressful, extremely stressful. Um, I made it through, but I was screaming at a lot of people at that time. Then they did the garage, which was another year of banging and hammering. That went, I've dealt with cockroaches, bed bugs. It's just been a mess. It finally quieted down about two years ago. So I've been in there about 10 years. So I've had two years of almost depending on who your neighbours are as well.
0: Bedbugs are another huge issue. According to the Toronto Bedbug Registry, Toronto was ranked the city with the highest bedbug infestation in 2017. A 2013 National Post article likens healthcare's reaction to this epidemic to the early days of AIDS, when patients with this disease were often treated as pariahs. Casey House clients have reported that some agencies refuse to provide services in their homes until their bedbug infestation is cleared up. This adds another layer of stigma. But there's another cost associated with bedbugs, one that Ben experienced firsthand.
2: And then another thing I learned about downtown is there's a lot of issues with um, with bedbugs, which is something I've never had in my entire life until now. And uh, cockroaches is another thing I've never had to, you know... Deal with before, but cockroaches are easy to contain. It's these bed bugs that uh, I, I've never had to throw out my furniture before after just kind of re establishing my life after graduating and coming downtown and being all excited and furnishing an apartment and being, you know, super happy. And I'm so close to my services. And now I'm at the
0: point where I'm throwing out my bed and my couch is halfway thrown out. Replacing furniture is expensive. And finding housing without pests can be challenging. Housing is one of the most urgent unmet needs facing people living with HIV in Canada. While the disease crosses the full socioeconomic spectrum, the majority of people with HIV live on a fixed income. The day-to-day reality of someone trying to maintain their physical and mental health, struggling with substance use and trying to maintain their housing can be really challenging. Accessing needed support and services can be another burden.
5: In the housing situation especially for someone living with HIV. The services in terms of, like, getting personal care workers are only provided to people who are really sick or really, really struggling. Um, I've had day and but see, you can't predict that because the problem with HIV or living with HIV, mental health, and addictions is some days are better than others.
0: According to the Canadian AIDS Treatment Information Exchange, people who have a stable place to live and the support they need feel better physically and mentally, and they're more likely to follow their treatment plan. That's why getting a housing subsidy can be a game-changer and an opportunity for people to make a fresh start to rebuild their lives.
2: With the subsidy, I stayed there for 10 years, and um, I loved it. I stayed there, and I went back to work, and I went back to school, and I got a personal support worker certificate.
0: people living with HIV, having healthy social connections is essential to one's sense of well-being. So is living in a community where you feel safe and accepted. To Kevin, it's made all the difference.
3: This feels like home. The moment I came and landed at the Roman Baths years ago, that felt like home. And it always has been downtown Toronto, where the boys are out, you know, where I can watch two gay men hold hands down the street and not have to hear screaming and yelling and, you know, fistfights happen because of it. So I hope that Church and Wellesley survives because that seems to be being pushed. You know, the community I remember that I needed to come into as a gay boy coming from a small town into the city, I needed that community. I'm not sure if it's as needed now, but it definitely felt like home.
0: But there are some potential risks to living in a tight-knit community,
2: there's definitely pros and cons about living downtown. I love the convenience. Um, I, I'm, I have access. I, I'm in walking distance between all of my circle of care and healthcare providers and all of my supports are all within walking distance. I, um, I really like that. Um, and then I guess some of the cons would be like, I see a lot of my friends who, who I was street involved with using a lot of drugs, in particular crystal meth, and, um, you know, asking to stay with me or, um, you know, just it, it disheartens me to see my friends, you know, kind of deteriorating and um, not able to find their own stable stable type of housing that
1: I have
0: Finding stable, appropriate housing is an absolute must Shika puts this clearly and succinctly
1: Looking back and thinking about what would have happened if I wouldn't have found um, the proper housing for me at at that particular time, I think I'd be dead I'd I'd definitely be dead
0: To clean, safe, affordable housing can be challenging. But there were important and positive messages our guests conveyed about not selling yourself short and accepting unsafe, poor living conditions.
3: Yeah, I think, again, it's home isn't just that little pad you live in, it's the extended community outside of that. I think, for me at least, that makes a home, not just my little one bedroom apartment.
2: I wouldn't recommend that people settle for a place to stay temporarily. I wouldn't recommend people move into a place thinking, "Oh, well, I'll we'll only be here for a couple months." Because I, it tends to like, uh, if it if it starts off by being a bad situation, it will probably remain a bad situation, if not get worse. I wouldn't settle for anything less than what you're willing to conditions you're willing to live in.
5: If you're someone who's living with HIV and you're struggling. Um, to get housing or you've given up the little bit of hope that you think that you can get housing or you can change or or that there's nothing out there. Don't. Like there, there eventually there is help. There are good people out there.
4: But well, I'm 53 years old right now, and I've learned the importance of family, the importance of friends and making your house a home. Standing up for each other in solidarity, and being proactive, sharing your life with others, but also being respectful to yourself as an individual. And it's really hard, I learned this through a CAT, Community sustainable AIDS Treatment. Sometimes you just gotta say no.
1: I I have been able to do some capacity, social justice capacity building, um, training, and I have been able to do work for the community as a peer leader, activist, uh, trans activist, HIV advocate, and I've also been able to go back to my artistic roots and and it's like things are going well. I'm still struggling a lot with um with my health uh, in, in in certain ways, but being having supporting housing has really allowed me to be able to take the load off and 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 be able to feel, you know, supported. So I am a very, very lucky girl. You know, where you you need to be told that you are you are special, that you you do matter, that you count. And that's what happened to me. And when I started feeling that positive feedback, I started thinking, yeah, you know what, I am something of value.
0: We've heard from our guests about the many barriers to finding affordable and safe housing compounded by the stigma of being HIV positive. We've heard about the often deplorable conditions people are forced to live in. But we've also heard about the importance of living in a community that one identifies with and about people overcoming barriers and finally finding a place they can call home. If you're someone living with or affected by HIV, there are many wonderful organizations and groups in the community who can provide supports and services please visit hiv411.ca. We'd like to thank our guests, Shika, Derek, Ben, Kevin, and Matthew for sharing their stories. This episode was produced by the RTA School of Media at Ryerson University. It was written and produced by Andre Soranto, Amanda Crawford, and me, Liz Creel. The music was composed and performed by Nick Nussbaum. Remember to subscribe to Positively Speaking on your favourite podcast platform, if you have any comments or questions about this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at caseyhouse.ca. You can also visit our website at caseyhouse.com for a transcript of this episode, a glossary of terms and occasional bonus material. Our next episode will be about HIV and isolation. Here's a short clip to give you a taste of what's to come.
2: It's, it's hard, especially in the summer, to uh, go outside and like see what I'm missing. And then it feels like uh, it kind of hurts because I realize that there's good weather out there and that there's another life I could be having um, instead of, you know, isolated playing video games and watching movies and whatnot.
0: Thanks for listening.